yeah, that was our eighth straight loss. And uh, then they decided they were done losing. So we went to Florida, which I'm sorry they had to go to Florida. And the Red Wings played the uh, Panthers and won 4-1. to one. Now, that was a good win. I liked it. The game was great. We won a game. I made money off of it because I said the Red Wings aren't going to lose again. And we didn't. And I made like 50 bucks. So that to me, that's a win. That is actually pretty impressive. Was that just straight up bet? Yeah, that was a Red Wings money line bet. And uh, I think huh. it went well for me. I only bet like 10 bucks, 11 bucks, and, and came out with almost 50 bucks. So I'll take it. It's not uh, a bad day. That is where we got... I don't bet, so I've just been seeing more more of that lately. And I'm just like, oh, I can try it, but I probably won't. Was that the game where we got back Zadina and Fabry? I believe it was, because I believe they scored. Uh, that yeah. was that was the first group. That was pr- just before Zadina, because that was on the 7th. So no, yeah, no, they were all back. Yeah, because yeah, as of Friday was when, yeah, Friday is when Zadina came back. Everyone else was the the Wednesday prior. So every, we have a pretty much full roster minus Bertuzzi at this point. Yeah. So in that game, our winning game, we had Giovanni Smith, who has become the hero of Detroit. We have Robbie Fabry, who scored a goal. We have Vadislav Nemestikov, who scored a goal. And oh my God, Mark Stahl scored a goal. And mm-hmm. That's when you know you're going to win because Mark Stahl scored on you and it's all downhill from there. But it wasn't. It was uphill. Granted. No, no. Down, downhill getting... for them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, that would make more sense. But you would think also that if Mark Stahl is the person that we're relying on for scoring, things are pretty fucked up. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. yeah. That's where that secondary scoring uh, comes into play that we thought we were going to have a lot more of. Not, not maybe not a lot more of, but definitely more of. Not this. No, not this. So our secondary scoring, it's nice because it comes your, your top. And now since everything's completely fucked up, you you would think your top scoring, I mean, is your Bertuzzi, your Lark, and your Mantha, your your top line. Mm-hmm. And for, no for a better part of the season, it has been. It's been Bertuzzi, Lark, mm-hmm. and Mantha. And Bertuzzi out now because he destroyed something. You've is there got... been any word about what that is? No, the only word is that he should be. I actually think he might be back tomorrow. Is he? He was. I didn't only... see anything. I know he was only supposed to miss six, ten days, and it's coming up pretty quickly. Um, so I believe Bertuzzi should be back relatively quickly. Now to offset that, um, Luke Glendening is dead. So uh, he's got an upper body injury. destroyed. An an upper body injury, which I'm assuming is a concussion. Um, If if it's anything but that, I'd be amazed because he took the straight on, it was was Gudis, right? Yeah, no discipline. I mean, I I can see why, to an extent, that there was no discipline handed out because Mm -hmm. he didn't do anything. He went straight in with the shoulder. But the primary point of contact, and this is what they always talk about, was the head. He took it right to the fucking face yep. and was down for the count immediately. I mean, I shouldn't say down for the count. He was functional, but he struggled to get off the ice and almost fell after he got on, on the bench area. So, yeah, he. Uh, I haven't seen – Luke is a tough son of a bitch, but that one rocked him pretty damn good. And it was very disappointing because, for one, we talked about it, how good he's been uh, – Face-off wise for the team, leading the league is, is he still leading the league? Yep. And so that part, he's obviously one of their top penalty killers still, and defensive zone guys. 
Um, I think for the state of the team, granted, they've been okay. It's just mediocre regardless, but that's a big guy to lose, in my opinion, for a team that is struggling to just keep teams from scoring, which is what they're doing now. Yeah, I had someone try to argue me today telling me that Luke Glendening is not a big loss. And if you look at Luke Glendening's defense and, again, him being literally the top face-off guy in the league with, I think, his his percentage mm-hmm. is somewhere around 64% of face-offs won. And I can get the exact number, but it's it's pretty... 65.9%, sorry. 65.9. Yeah, yeah, he has won 118 face-offs and lost 61, and that's a really, really big gap. So I just, I don't know how you could say that the losing only Luke Glendon is not a problem. Is, the only guy in Detroit that's had more face-off wins is Larkin because he's on the ice so damn much. Yeah, And he's only got 134 versus 118, and Larkin's percentage is only 52.5, which is still reasonable, but I still want that number to be higher. Because yeah. I think Glendon, the number two behind him is what, Stamkos? If I remember correctly, unless it's gone, unless it's flipped around a little bit. It could have flipped in the past couple games, and I know they were talking about it on uh, Fox Sports a few games ago about the mm-hmm. where the rankings are, and Stammer's generally up there. But but Glenn Denning, I mean, is, is the top by a pretty wide margin. And losing that is, I know they say maybe face-offs aren't as impactful as, as they used to be because of the speed of the game and, and how... Uh, you've got better defensive guys and, and not as much breakaway, but it's still important. And especially Stam- if you- Yeah, Stamkos has dropped to 11. He was right behind Glendening. Now Glendening's got a full percent lead over Jason Spezza. He's the number two guy in faceoffs at 64.8%. It can't be much, though. And then third place is Ryan O'Reilly at 607 Yeah, but you got to look at how many faceoffs they've actually taken. I think Glendening is also far and away taken some of the most face-offs in the entire league. No. So he's got uh, 179 over 105. Ryan O'Reilly has taken 298 oh, okay. face-offs. All right. And then the next most, so we got Jordan Stahl is fourth at 60.3 and 174 face-offs, right behind Glenn Denning. And then Patrice Bergeron has a 60.2% and 249 face-offs. Yeah. So it's actually a pretty good chunk. And then you got Leon Dreisaitl. Who's got the most in the league? Oh, shit. Bo Horvat has taken 340 draws. Well, that's because, I mean, if you're... Ends at, <laughs> ends at 53.5%. Uh, Vancouver's bad and is having a lot of face-offs. Uh, but yeah, I, so that game, we won. We we broke our streak, and then the next game we lost again. Um, but again, that game was real boring. That last Florida game, really boring. Mm-hmm. And not a lot happened, and we looked okay, and we lost. We competed. A lot of dump and chase, if you like that thing. Yeah, so we love it. We love the dump and chase. But we competed, and we lost, which is okay, which is what we plan to do most nights, which is why I got kind of pissed off when the Free Press posted a thing today, like the Red Wings, they're not getting what they want out of, like they're doing well, but not getting the result they want. And I'm like, they're getting the exact result they want. I think Iserman even said before the season, like, hey, we're uh, we're we plan to be more competitive. We want our defense to be better. That might not translate into wins, but our goal is to be better than we were. So they they have looked better than they did uh, through the past few games, which is not translating to wins, of course, because they're not great. But it is it is better play, I guess, is what what I would call it. But yeah. 
one of the highlights, and I lose, I use the word highlight extremely loosely, for the first game against the Florida Panthers was the healthy scratch of Anthony Mantha. And um, the Red Wings have been very, very bad at communication lately. And uh, before the game, I think it was before the game, Blaschel said, I'll have an update after the game about Anthony Mantha. And they didn't yeah. say he was scratched. They just, he wasn't in the lineup. And, and you wait and you're like, is Mantha injured? Is, is something wrong? Is he being, he- what's happening? And then after the game, you hear that Mantha is a healthy scratch, um, basically to teach him a lesson. And um, the first thing that went, I think, through my head is, wow. And the second thing is, that's about three games too late, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. It was because what are you doing now, especially after he scored against Tampa the game prior? Had a significantly better game, which you could really say that about the entire team because that 5-1 game was just... They didn't know what the hell they were doing out there, it seemed like. So to do it now, the only reasoning and way that I can make any sense of this in my head is that he waited until this point because the rosters were healthy, or the roster was healthy, I should say. So you had your Zadina, your Fabry, your Gagne, Brome, everybody that was COVID or just not doing as well has hopefully going to elevate their game, and now Mantha can be bumped out, and you're not going to be even more shorthanded for scoring or any offensive ability whatsoever. That's the only thing that I can think of as to why it would have taken this long, because it should have happened when all those guys were out, because he, he looked like a dog's ass. Yeah, for most of it. I mean, but slow, now not, non-contact, uh, not skating heavy, not poking the puck away, kind of just giving just up co- halfway through. Coasting. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's just co- coasting, it seemed like, out there. I mean, and McCarty made a good point. We talked about this, is that these guys don't have their game legs quite yet, which is was seemingly obvious, though, especially those first six to eight games. But I don't know. I, I don't know the message it's, it's trying to send at this point because I'm just confused to high hell as to what Blaschel's doing at this any, anymore. Yeah, which I would – I'd say that, I, like I said, if you wanted to do it, you needed to do it right after probably the the fifth game just sit him down say around the chicago game sure just sit him down tell him Mm -hmm. dude it's not acceptable what you're doing you're not trying out there you've no spot is going to be given to someone regardless of whether they're deemed a star of the team or a rebuilding part of the team or core piece or whatever you're you're not going to be given ice time just because you're given a, a pseudo title so uh, there are people that are saying that maybe um, maybe he's mad at Blash. I could see it. Maybe he is. We're, speaking of that, what I saw you mention that was it the free press you said made a hint that the locker room's being lost. Yeah, yeah. There was a. I think Helene St. James wrote an article with the headline of something to the effect of. There may be sour something sour in the locker room or, or something like that. There might be not losing. They didn't use the losing the locker room um, kind of shtick that mm-hmm. they like to use, but they were using something to the effect of that. It's just things might not be going as well as as people think. So they're, they're, they'd always said that the locker room's not lost. The guys are coming to play. They know they're not great, but... They, if they're starting to lose the locker room, that's a b- 
big problem. If, if that's the case, though, here it was on. I think Helene St. James herself posted it, not the Free Press. So if if that, but if that's the case, if the Red Wings are losing uh, losing people in the locker room, then that's a problem. Uh, you think? Yeah. So that was the one thing is if like, you could if you could keep a confident locker room, but still not, I guess, suck or or just be okay and lose, then then you're fine. But if you lose the locker room, like coach got to go like yesterday. And, and that's the worry is if that's the case. And as I, we've all voiced our displeasure over the decisions that have been taking place regarding Blashill, I should say, like we, we can't, they can't keep going down this path because we know that this roster is better yep. than last year's yep. on paper. Now from that, you would think we would see an increase in maybe, you know, scoring. We'd see an increase in how the power play is performing or I don't know, more than one goal a game is basically what I'm getting at, but they're not doing that. I think Blashell, that quote was perfect from him, actually St. James asking him what's wrong with the power play or what do you need to do to fix it? And he just said, score. They're not scoring. Yeah. But is that because of the players or is it because of the system and the players are just like, man, because they kind of, no one's moving. And we've talked about this before already. Like it's just stagnant when they're in the offensive zone. But when then all of a sudden the light goes off and you see them flying around the ice because you see like Bobby Ryan, for instance, his natural ability takes over and he gets out there and is making things happen and it kind of resonates to everybody else on the ice, but it's not consistent. And that's the biggest issue now. Is that because of the players or is it because coaching isn't keeping the players going or what? Like, I don't understand it. I don't get how you can actually have some of the skill and talent that they actually do have. And it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And I think that's the, the biggest thing is going to be that, if you if you're going to say that oh we just need to score that's a smart ass comment and you're losing games so you're not mm-hmm. allowed those smart ass comments when on most nights your team looks like shit uh you can be a little bit more specific or you can leave that's kind of the thing uh mm-hmm. the yeah so i was i guess i was just confused by that and i even i even quoted that peter said he posted the video and put i can't stop laughing where blash just says score mm-hmm. and i put yeah, one one stop the drop pass two stop the dump in three move around four play in tight but sure score i guess that is what you took out of why your power play isn't working is because you're not scoring not like, just having two guys sitting next to us the face-off dots passing it back to the point but no one's actually moving in between yeah that's so, not good that's bad I'm just, I'm, you can't be, and, and you're going to get that question because your power play does suck. So why would it's you think, all, it's terrible. why would you think you're not going to get that question? I guess I just don't understand why you're, you can't put a, ha, at least half a thought into your response. You think he's too comfortable with mediocrity at this point? I, and see, I'm not even sure it's that because he, he knows what's happening. So I'm just... I'm he knows yeah. that it's going to be the same going forward not much is going to change they got a better lineup than they had last year but it's not mm-hmm. better enough to win them 10 more games or 20 it should be better enough to win them 10 more games but it's not going to win them uh it's not going to get it's, them it's out of the bottom them. 5 yeah 
So I don't yeah, understand I, why you have to give a smart ass answer when you could literally just say you could you could give three sentences on how you think your power play could be better, but instead you go with score, which is kind of mm-hmm. fucking stupid. His I mean his face with it also said it all, but let me see. What's the power play percentage? Bad. I'm on NHL.com. So let's put it in reference. The Capitals and Florida Panthers are tied for first with a 37% power play. And let's go ahead and scroll. Oh, the Wings are now second to last at 9.3. So they were at 11.4, I think, last time we talked on it. Now they've dropped two whole percentage points at least. And only the Minnesota Wild are worse than Detroit's power play at a 7.1 tick. We're number two. We're number two. But not best worst. I, I don't get it. So um, it's and it's at that point I'm like, bye Biosma, bye Doug Huda. We suck all around. And if I'm a coach, like I'm I'm trying to make it right as fast as possible because and I mean he's he's a lame duck coach. He's in his last year of his contract. He probably knows he's on his way out. And especially with performances like that, you got to know you're on your way out. So let's just. They didn't have a high bar to get better or to get past last year. Yep. Because they finished last season in 71 games. They had a 14.8 power play percentage. 14. That's not, that's not, doesn't take a lot to get past that. No. I mean, and they're now showing that is almost near impossible. Yeah. So I just, and you're getting your guys out there and, and, but you're getting some really weird power play groupings. And it goes back to the Blashville Blender where you can't stand with one. you put a group out there one time, and if they don't do something, you switch it up. Which try putting them out there two, three, put four out times. Your best fucking players. Yeah, sure. Every time. Why is that so hard? Every time. Look at the look at the best teams in hockey. The Capitals. They're number one in the power play. Who is on the ice every single time? Alex Ovechkin, John Carlson, T.J. Oshie, Kuznetsov, and Backstrom. And or Kuznetsov, I think, kind doing of doing it with, until uh, it works. Tom Wilson. And they're out there for a minute and a half to two minutes unless they really just can't get something going. And then they flip them out. Ovi's the only constant. But they are putting their best players on the ice. I know I always – I think I've hit on them the last maybe three times we talked about the power play. Them in Pittsburgh, same way. You've got Malkin, Crosby, Gensel, Latang, and then whoever else, Rust. Or I don't even remember who, the, who their fifth guy typically would be. But it's their best players on the ice. Yep. Dallas was the same way when we just played them. Jamie Ben, Pavelski, uh fucking can't remember the defenseman's name right now, but they are out there. They're letting their skill do all the talking, but they're also moving because they just flow off of each other. Now I get it, Burt's out, bring someone else in, and then you gotta roll with Mantha, Larkin. You put Bobby Ryan out there, you've got Heronic at the point. And Zadina, yeah. I, I see no issue here. You and all you got to do is you can have ro- uh, Mantha, Zadina, Heronic. They can kind of play rotation at the top. You can let Larkin be your bumper, and then go from there. Is you have something that's not fucking Sam Gangang and Val Philpola trying to score a power play goal? Yeah, I just, I guess, I don't uh, understand why you mix it up so much. When you don't even try and get results with your your first set, like success. If you can build, you know your players are good. You know when if you put your mm-hmm. best players out there, they're going to score eventually. 
but he's giving it a one and yeah. done kind of thing where you put him out. Oh, they didn't score. We're going to switch it immediately. And uh, Raven says, I think the it's problem like at a minute, we have. Like, boom. Yeah. Raven says, I think the problem we have with Blash and company now is that they probably already know their contracts are up in April and they aren't getting renewed due to COVID-19 safe from the boot. And I brought that up too, I think last yeah, uh, episode or it, two ago. today too. And I said it today that it, I think it would be hard to change coaches mid-COVID. And I don't think that the coach he wants is currently available. I think he needs to wait until the end of yeah, the season in order to switch his coaches. Because I just don't think don't think the coach is there right now. And and if you booted yeah. Blash, you're you're stuck with Bilesma or Huda until the end of the season. That's just the way it's going to be. You're not going to want to. Which who knows? Maybe that could actually be a blessing if Bilesma got shifted over because he's not in charge of the power play and the forwards anymore. No, he'd be in charge of double. He'd take Blash's job plus his old job. So it's well. You bring you had to bring somebody in at that point. It's likely going to come from the Griffins. You think you don't think they would just shorten the bench because the Griffins start their season? So no. I mean, well, I don't... yeah, unless they've got another or or somebody from the management team comes down. Sure, but I don't think Cause you would think to that because your point of like the COVID situation where they try to keep it in house more than anything. Yeah, I mean, you bring Draper down. Yeah, put That's him what behind I was the bench. Thinking, or... Yeah. But I, I think we started on Anthony Mantha. We got sidetracked just because coaching pisses pisses off so much. Um, yeah. But I want to kind of look at look at a little bit of Anthony Mantha's stats because it's it's not as bad as a lot of people think it is. And they made Mantha into a scapegoat. Sure, he's looked kind of shitty, um, and some people would say really shitty. Moving his feet, doing puck battles, defending, going to the other side of the ice, whatever. He looked bad. It's, then he it's picked the same it up. carryover. Mm-hmm. Sure. Then he picked it up a bit, and they're like, "Oh, Mantha doesn't seem noticeably terrible," and and it was working. <laughs> right. And then he got benched, and he comes back, and it was kind of the same thing in this in this last game where he was just slow, slow to get to the puck. Kinda, there were a couple times. There. there were a couple times where I'm looking and I go. I go, well, Mantha could have had that puck, but it resulted in a rush down the ice because he didn't skate toward the person who had the puck. Um, mm-hmm. But Mantha still got seven points in 13 games, so he's over half a point a game. I was looking at uh, his advanced Which is stats. what you would hope. Now, the thing right now is Mantha, um, he's hitting people, 13 hits. 13 hits in 13 games, that's a hit a game. In 43 games last season, before he got injured, he had 49 hits. So he's on the same kind of path. His giveaways are up. He's got six giveaways and two takeaways, but you're not going to have takeaways if you're not playing the person. So that's down, of course. But if you look at Mantha's, his stats are not bad. Uh, mm-hmm. You, He's, let's see, his shooting percentage right now, I actually think might be kind of low. But no, it's actually uh, 11.8%. So if he took his, I want to do five shots a game, he would score a little more than once every other game, yeah. which is good, which is what we want from him. Uh, he's Now, his average time on ice is 17 minutes and 56 seconds, which is good. That's high. But he, when he was brought back, he was put on the third line. Yeah, he was with was Larkin, Brome, and Zadina was your was top, your top line. line. Your there's... second ri- line was Fabry. I believe it was, was it Fabry, Nemestikov, Bobby Ryan? So your third line was Anthony Mantha, Darren Helm, and... Does nobody post the lines anymore. Uh, Giovanni Smith? 
But if you're looking at other numbers, I mean, uh, Anthony Mantha has a Corsi 4 percentage of 57.5%. Um, that means that the team was controlling the puck more than not when he was on the ice. So that's that's what you want. You want your player's Corsi to be above 50. His Fenwick is 53.8. So it means that the team was controlling the puck more often than not when he was on the ice. So he's Which... he's having the positive ice effect but looking lazy. And when you look like something, it's the way you're going to be perceived. And that's where we're at. So his stats, if you were to look at just Anthony Mantha's stats, which is kind of why people will say, oh, fuck stats. I don't want to look at those. It's kind of why when you look at him, you're like, wow, Mantha's doing great besides his on-eye shooting percentage, just 6.7%. But Everything else, you look, uh, 82.8% on-ice save means that the goals are saved 82% of the time when he's on the ice, 83% of the time. Uh, You would think that that he was doing great, but then you see the product, and the product doesn't match, doesn't look like it matches the stats. But we're only seeing it from TV. So that's the other side of it. We're not behind the bench uh, to, Mm -hmm. to see what's going on. So I would say that... I think Mantha, I know Mantha can do more because he showed last season that he could do more. It's just he's not doing it now, and that's kind of the the thing that's pissing a lot of people off is because we saw what he could do when he was good, and we know the potential he has. He could be a 30-plus goal scorer, 35-plus goal scorer, but when you put in a shit effort the way it looks like he's been putting in, and to Prashant's credit, he said, well, maybe you don't know what's going on in Mantha's personal life. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what kind of problems Mantha might be having. Because Maybe at, these empty arenas are affecting guys more than we think. Sure, but at the end of the day, the players are people. You got to put that kind of factor yeah. into it. And just like you don't have good days at work when something shitty is happening in your life, players are the same way. And you could bitch all you want about how much money they make. You're not paying them. So shut up. Uh, You Mm -hmm. don't judge a person's effort based on how much money they make. Uh, He, he has put up the, the effort before and the numbers to warrant. And actually if I believe his contract uh, is listed as one of the best in the league compared to other people that are making that much money. So I had what his role is expected. Yeah. So it's Anthony Mantha. Sure, he needs to move his feet more. He needs to be more physical. He needs to be more engaged in the play. And and if he can do that, then his play, his visual play, will back up his stats. But right now, the underlying stats are are absolutely fine. Do you think that? So what you just mentioned there, step up the physical play. Do you think he's worried about getting hurt again? I don't think it's that. You think that's just sit at the back of his mind that he's worried about if he hits somebody the wrong way or goes at somebody the wrong way that it's going to just, something's going to happen again? Well, I think if it was that. I, don't, I feel like he hasn't been throwing the body in the way he usually does. Well, I'm not sure that's a lot of the, I think if that were the issue, you would see him mid ice in neutral ice or in center, still mixing it up with people and trying to retrieve the puck and move it away from them. You right. just may not see him laying the body more or going to the corners more. But I saw him at least two, three times in the in the last Florida game just fail to try to take the puck away from someone in in mid ice and just kind of let them skate by him. That's the problem. Now, or turning the, around the old ole. Yeah, the I'm gonna reach with my arm but not really make any kind of effort to do anything. What 
what Larkin's always trying, but even though he's actually <laughs> trying going at somebody hard, but ends up getting a trip more often than not. Yeah, so I'm not sure. So I found sure. the lines here from last game too, by the way. So obviously we called the first. It was Smith, Fabry, and Ryan was the second line. Okay. Mantha, Nemestikov, and Helm was the third line. Yeah. Which really the way it's not, Terrible. not an awful no. set of lines. Maybe Helm, Stonehand on there, but I don't know. That, Nemestikov, I think Mantha and Nemestikov have been playing really well together. Yeah, Nemestikov's picked it up too over the last few games. So, mm-hmm. like you said, not a bad line. Just he he just a lot of times looked like he doesn't want to do anything, which kind There's of something missing that we just don't know. Yeah, and and I we will most likely never know unless Blash is out. Another coach comes in and immediately Mantha's a different player. Then you know it was a coaching issue. But I mean, he's got guys around him to talk to him. And, and they're friends, and they hang out, and if, if they can't get to them, then it, there's, like you said, something behind the scenes that we just don't know about, and, and probably won't. Um, but I want to move on to kind of the other person in the lineup that has been given life, uh, which is Giovanni Smith. And I think from even a couple years ago, we were all very excited about Giovanni Smith. We've because, spoken very highly of him the last couple of years. Because he's the kind of guy that comes in, he's got the grit that everyone loves that they want his grit There's per 60 word. his grit per 60 is off the charts and he's just i mean Giovanni Smith is a hockey player in yep. in every sense of the term he battles he's he has D- looked phenomenal D-Mac loves him he's looked phenomenal finding open ice he's playing above his weight right now that's that is my only and he's a big fucking dude. kind of gripe yeah he's a big guy he uh, beat up Aaron Ekblad, which was phenomenal. He got Ooh, a Gordie Howe hat trick. Haymakers in that. Yeah, he got a Gordie Howe hat trick, which is cool. Gordie Howe only ever had two of them in his career, but whatever. Did you see that he wasn't aware of a Gordie Howe hat trick until that? Who, Giovanni? I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, it's were, not I, really... I, somebody I asked him, and he was like, I didn't know what it was until the, after the game. I don't think it's a super widely used term, maybe. But it, yeah, if he Probably doesn't know what more it by is, us. Then. Yeah. it's more by the fans than it is by the players. But um, he's looked great, and, and he's gotten results because of it. In seven games, Giovanni Smith has one goal and three assists. So four points in seven games is better than a lot of the team. But I just, people want, and, and a lot of people I saw were like, and again, Facebook, which we don't like the Red Wings Facebook fans a lot. But so they were saying, well, just keep Smith in and keep Mantha out. And what I'm like is they're not in no way the same player, the same talent level. No. Nothing. So I was, that was kind of pissing me off. But Giovanni Smith is playing well. And that's fine. Second yeah. round pick, number 46 overall. You expect them to come in like Bertuzzi to come in and, and maybe play more uh, better than where you drafted them and he's 22 years old so he's still young but you're playing him on the top a lot of uh, the past few nights not the last game but the two before you're playing him on the top two lines and I think that's a real big ask of someone like Giovanni Smith because I think at the end of the day he is a mid to bottom six grinder with offensive potential who could park net front piss some people off and I think that's what Giovanni Smith's role is. He's like a less, I don't want to say less skilled because that sounds bad, but he's a, a little bit lower level of a Tyler Bertuzzi. 
I was going to say you think that there that's one way to put it, but you could also see with the point you just made where he's getting some top six minutes and maybe doesn't have that skill set but can provide a spark in some sense, Thomas Holmstrom. Sure, but I also think that the I think he's reason, got more offensive skill than Homer. Yeah, but. I think the reason that he's doing what he's doing too is because you're putting him with those better players. So when you put him with a Dylan Larkin, players. well, Dylan Larkin's going to make anyone you put with him look better. That is Larkin's job. Mm. That's what makes an elite player is making the guys around you better. Yeah. He, Giovanni Smith and Dylan Larkin, instant chemistry looked great. Mm-hmm. Same with Giovanni Smith and Philip Zadina, another person who's looked phenomenal, who we sorely missed when he was out with COVID protocol yep. was was Philip Zadina. And even since he come back with a goal and an assist, he's looked phenomenal. He has been on fire since he came back. Kid wants to play, right? Let him play. Yep, and he looks fucking good. But Giovanni Smith, love the kid. He, you may be hyping, not you, but uh, the collective you, maybe hyping too much onto him that when maybe he falls back down to earth or you end up realizing the kind of player he is, may, get, I don't want people to get disappointed. That he doesn't okay. keep up that's, the pace. That's that he doesn't keep up the pace that he's on, because I don't think it's sustainable for him. Now I'll give you some good out of Giovanni Smith. Is um, you know what shooting percentage is, and the on ice shooting. Per- so there's a, a stat on ice shooting percentage, which is the conversion of shots into goals when a player is on the ice, just not shots of theirs. So. When Giovanni Smith has been on the ice this season, 10.5% of the Red Wings shots go in the net. That's one out of every 10 will go in the net. Yeah. Um, same with, uh, now he's in company of the, he's, there are only seven players with above 10. Uh, Giovanni Smith, John Merrill, who I think has been one of our better defensemen and also mm-hmm. spells his name Jonathan instead of Jonathan. Um, Robbie Fabry, who's 11.8%. Bobby Ryan, who's 12%. Not surprising. Uh, Michael Rasmussen, 13.3%. So he probably should have stayed. Uh, Weird. Philip Zadina at 14.3%. And Danny DeKaiser at 15.2%. Now, Philip Zadina, I completely understand. He just makes everything happen every time he's on the ice. When the puck is on his stick. Even when he wasn't getting assists. Yeah. Exactly. When the puck is on his stick, he's making smart passes. He's finding open ice. He's finding an outlet. He's moving it to people that are are wide open or in great scoring chances. He's making things happen. Now, Philip Zadina also just happens to have the third highest on ice save percentage, which is the saves uh, percentage of shots saved while the uh, player was on the ice. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take Philip Zadina on any team all day. He's better than Kat Kaniemi. And I think people may start to lose the Quinn Hughes argument. Yeah, that's where you're going with that. So, mm-hmm. um, beautiful. But if you look at Giovanni Smith, I mean, 10.5, that's good. That means he's finding open ice. That mm-hmm. means he's agitating people. That means he's screening the goalie. It, things are happening when uh, Giovanni Smith is on the ice. And I'll take it. Yeah. And you see it though. That's the that's the, the other thing is that when he's out there, for one, you know it's he's out there because he's hitting the shit out of people. Yep. But two, he's causing havoc, like you said. He's winning the battles in the corner, winning the net front battle, and he's in the goalie's face every time he's on the ice, which is what he's there to do. 
And it's kind of like to the Larkin point and the Zadina point, the lines that he's been on, he's bringing that extra oomph in the fire and it's really helping him out. And I think that's why people love him because he's given him that old flair. I think that's why DMAC, he, we talked to him forever ago. He loved him when he was coming up and it getting, through, getting ready to come to Grand Rapids. So he, is he going to be all-star caliber? No. Who knows? Well, he I mean, could Bert just was. flip a switch in soon and maybe something crazy happens. But if he provides a good middle six role, which I think is where he could end up being, then I don't think you can be really upset about that. And that's going to be what this team will need going into the future. Yeah, I don't think that he's not going to be your savior, but he's sure as shit is fun to watch right now. I think that's one of the big he's things. He's going to be a great replacement for a Darren Helm. Yeah, when Darren Helm is gone at the end of the season. Sorry, Australia. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens mm-hmm. because he'll he you can't send him back to the taxi squad now. He's got to stick in the lineup. That's I hate that they're doing the move. Why why do they do the movement at this point? Can you answer me that? Uh, so right now it is it is mainly for um, purpose of I would say money. Basically, it's a money purpose thing. You save I, you save I don't even, dollars well, when you move a person because their salary is cheaper when they're on the taxi squad. You save mm-hmm. so it's basically it's it's Iserman weaponizing the cap. So the more money he can actually they don't save, need to. no, they don't. But in case you do, then you you kind of try and pinch every penny you can in payroll. To, to maybe so, in the future, so if you have to that, do something. Go ahead. So correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm looking at cap friendly. Did you notice that they don't have Zetterberg listed as LTIR? Really? He's only listed as IR. Is Zetterberg coming back? Yeah, right. He's having he's having drinks with Cronwell in Sweden right now. Who are we kidding? I just noticed that today, and I was really confused by it because every other year, well, I shouldn't say every other, the last couple of years, he's been listed as LTIR and obviously that money comes off the cap hit only comes off if you are above the cap when the season starts so if you are at the cap and you have an LTIR person you are allowed to go above that cap because that person cannot play it's Tampa Bay yeah so it's uh that that would be why no Zetterberg is not coming back but yeah Um, absolutely not I mean we'd have to pray to every god for that to happen but yeah but, okay that makes sense i didn't that that little light bulb didn't it was flickering in the distance yeah. but it is fun Got to watch now. everyone flip out when giovanni smith and and uh matthias broma go to taxi squad first time first time i was a part of the freak out and then i was like what is going on why are we doing this and now it happened a couple more times just like hmm. you just give it I an see. eye I do the I do gifts uh-huh. every time. It's the first was the Michael Scott saying snip snap snip snap. Uh, today was yep. today was uh, Bill Murray saying, "Well, it's Groundhog Day again." So it's uh, that. that was it's that's just the way it's going to go every time. Is uh, I was it, impressed at how many people were pissed off today. It's it'll be different people every time because if you explain it to them once, they go, "Oh, okay, whatever," and then you got to mm-hmm. catch a, a fresh batch of people the next time who get real confused. You just, you just need to have a tweet saved that anytime this happens, it just send it. 
your alert tweet. I think uh, Ryan from uh, from Wing Wheel Podcast has one that is says, he doing uh, that? "This yeah. is a scheduled tweet. This is just a paper transaction or something like that." <laughs> there, um, yep, there but go. that's that's all it is. It's paper transactions unless something does. It's happen. It's unfortunate for the player. Now it's shitty for them. Now what could happen is they did get assigned to the taxi squad. But tomorrow you could see Giovanni Smith get recalled and Tyler Bertuzzi come back. And then then Broma has to sit on the taxi squad. So one of these times it's not going to be a paper transaction. It's going to be an actual transaction. We just won't know until... A, then a we can get upset. Yeah, we just won't know until a lineup's announced. Now, yeah. if Bertuzzi comes back and like fucking Ernie doesn't sit or uh, even Darren Helm mm. or Nielsen, because Philpel has been out, but if Nielsen doesn't sit, like, come on. No, I'll take Helm uh, over Nielsen. Nielsen, if Nielsen and Ernie, actually I'd, actually, I'd still take Ernie. Nielsen is my number one better be asked seat. Yep. If not, it, if not, it's strictly because of the polit- the bullshit politics, and I think Jen has been the one that's hit this one the most out there on Twitter is that is all because he, they didn't take the A from him and they still need that presence. Even though at the start of the year, he was benched. Sure. So is that going to stay? Like this, this is where I'm surprised they didn't announce like a third alternate captain and have like a rotation like they did last season, because now that he's got that A on his chest, the likelihood is just so much fucking lower and it, just drives me insane to know that he is not going to be benched for no matter how shitty he does or how many times he can't hold on to the fucking puck when they're taking it into the offensive zone. Yeah. uh, I I think my point of it was that if, if Giovanni Smith is sent back to the taxi squad after literally playing his ass off to stay on this team, that's just literally one more strike in the fucking encyclopedia of strikes we have made for Jeff Blaschel to this point, which there are people that will defend Blaschel, and I will defend Blaschel to a point. I will not yep. defend dumbass roster decisions. I will not defend dumbass on ice usage. I will not defend dumbass not being able to change how you play or backing off play when you're up. Uh, I will not defend dump and chase. I will not defend. Uh, drop pass on the power play. I will not defend any Sounds of like that. like a lot of what he does. I will I will defend him to the point of he's never had a phenomenal roster. He has... One year, he, two years maybe. He has coached well in every other league he's been in. He mm-hmm. is, by all accounts, and, and people will fight me on this too, by all accounts, he's a good developmental coach. I would say besides this season where it looks yeah. like Anthony Mantha has metaphorically taken a step backwards, uh, where Philip Hronick has visible weakness to his game. And mm-hmm. the only, yeah, that's players, that one's the one that worries me the most. Yeah. The only players that are, seem to be moving forward are the Giovanni Smiths and the Philip Zadinos. So that is where mm-hmm. I will say Blaschel, up until this point, has been successful in player development, like the Bertuzzi's, like the Larkins, has been good. Yeah. And and Larkin, you could say to to a point that he he would he would have done this no matter who his coach was. 
and maybe with another yeah. coach may take it to another level. He has been on a solid development. Path. I don't think anyone saw this in Tyler Bertuzzi. And that's where I think a lot of people are at right now, too. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw what Tyler Bertuzzi's doing. I don't think anyone predicted that. Yeah. But I, Blaschel can be blamed for, for a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to the point now where I do think we need a coaching change. I just don't think that'll happen. Fair? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, we've said this quite a bit, too, that do we want a new coach? Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Is it necessarily? We know the hand that Blasio was dealt. We the writing was on the wall when he took over, and they had one year to try to make something crazy happen because Illich was all in. Yep. So it was all. They had Dadzik, Zetterberg, Cronwall, all these guys at the end of their term, and then it's just been downhill from then because the contracts have been shit. But I, like we've said over and over, I don't think a coaching change. I mean, I could be wrong because it's just how things could sometimes happen. Like you look at the Blue Jackets a couple years ago when they fired like, Todd Richards for torts. They lost their first 10, 9, 10 games of the season and then actually had a decent year the remainder of the year. I don't see that happening, though, with Detroit and how things are going. Now, the roster is different, so it's a, it has the potential to do something. But as we said early on, what coach can come in in the situation, already be ready to go based off the protocols and this and that, on top of having to maybe bring in a new staff or does he maintain that staff, which is seemingly unlikely because you would think if they're chopping heads, they're going to chop multiple heads. Yeah. At one Um, time. I don't think it's, I think it's, yeah, I don't think it'll happen until the end of the year. And that's just the unfortunate reality. No. And, and that may be to the detriment of some players like Giovanni Smith and like Matthias Broma, that they could just be bounced up and down regardless of their play. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and just Just because they can be. Yeah, it's a sacri- coach's sacrifice at that point. But it's yep. it sucks, but it's something they got to deal with. But all in all, Giovanni Smith has been great for this team. I think will continue to be great for this team, but is not don't hold him that high to purposefully disappoint yourself when Let him get there. things level Let him get off. To sure. that extra level. And it's not going to be this this year's the coming out party of what he can scratch the surface of being for this team. Yep. Next year is where you really want to see, is he taking that next big step? And when we talked about this with a lot of guys on this year's roster, like Mantha, can he continue what he built on last year? So is he going to hit that slump, he being Smith, or is he going to work his ass off, which we know he's been doing? We can see just how much stronger he looks this year compared to last year because of the pro seasons he's now getting under his belt. So if next year is really where we're going to see in a likely full NHL season what this guy can bring to the table because the roster spots are there. And now at this stage, it's going to be his to lose. Yeah. And we still got another full year. He's got one more year of hockey until he has to go through arbitration. So we've got a couple more years that he can run through the RFA. So maybe a bridge deal to make him like approve it. And then, and then boom, you're good. You got your depth guy. Yeah, and Smith is still under team control for four more years. He's only 22. So it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be interesting to see going forward because uh, I don't know if we mentioned this last podcast, but we've got like 67% roster turnover next season. Um, I think we only have eight guys uh, under contract or nine guys under contract. Seven, eight, nine. If you nine. keep going down yep. into, but go down into injured reserve. Did you go down into injured um, reserve? Yep. Yeah. So Burks if we got, and RFA. Yeah. So if we go to nine, 
and then you add in um, Lucas Raymond and you Sider. add in Maritz Sider. That's 11. So you're going to get your your roster set and you're going to have a ton of work to do. So I think I mentioned earlier that you've yeah. got... You got to thank Joe Bellino and Mike Rasmussen too. Yeah, but you're going to... like Rasmussen's again, got RFA. There's going to be fights for spots. So you're going to go into... Still around. You're going in next season fighting for spots with a lot of roster turnover and a new coaching staff. So I said a lot of what stuff's going to have to happen. A lot of stuff's going to happen in a short amount of time. And it'll be, like I said, one of the most interesting off seasons we've seen in recent memory. So oh, yeah. Be- I and be because that doesn't even include what they draft this upcoming year. If they yep. somehow luck out, which we know they won't on getting the top pick and whether or not that guy is an NHL ready player or even top two. And then what do they do as far as pursuing people in free agency? Because the cap space is there. Maybe he brings back Bobby Ryan again for another two year, one year, two year deal on on the cheap. If, because that he was the one of the few people that explained that he's in Detroit because of Steve Eisenman. And the other thing we have to take into account is we have the expansion draft coming this summer. Yep. So you're losing somebody. It's just a matter of who, but because of all these roster spots becoming available and all these guys that aren't going to be under contract tec- technically, that eases the t- potential burden that you have to worry about there. And I think that's what the roster build-out has been for Eiserman up to this point, is not having too many guys under contract past this season so he isn't having to worry about the potential losses for Seattle. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but I think that's where we're going to wrap up tonight. Ryan, uh, thank you for live streaming with me. Tyler, no. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we are... Son of a bitch. We've got, some, got from its phone. we've got some kinks to work out for the next stream. i got to fix some encoder settings for video. We were told the audio was great, but the video is a little laggy. So i got to fix some uh, encoder settings. Yeah, I noticed that there's a bit of a delay between us a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Uh, but I want to get your final thoughts if you have any before uh, we sign off tonight. I think my only final thoughts are and I'm going to be pretty much regurgitating at this point. I just want to see a complete game from the team. The talent is there and we are going to beat this horse probably over and over and over again this season, but just compete. And I know that's the, the cheesiest way I could possibly say it, but give us something to be excited about like that four to one win over Florida that was an exciting game. And it was because people that were not typically seeing score were scoring stall for instance, but then they come right back and lose two to one. And you're just like, okay, they've scored one goal in three out of their last four games. That's not what we need from this team. I say we collectively as the fan base, because we're just, we expect greatness. That's just how we are. Um, so I just want to see compete. I want to see some goals. I want to see at least three goals in these games. We got Nashville and Chicago coming up. Nashville, we'll see what they can do. They've got some high-end talent still that they're going to potentially put the hurt on. And then we come back to Chicago, who's been surprising a little bit. So it's it's an uphill battle, and it's going to be that way the entire year. That's just the unfortunate reality. But give us something to be excited about, because right now I think that we've kind of lost that wow factor that we saw in those first couple games it's kind of like last year all over again if you think about it but get some goals because you have to go back to january 28th where they scored at least three goals yep 
outside of what they just did. That's not good. They can't. They, that's so. Just score. Give us some some hope. But other than that, that's all I got. So already Ryan thirty three on Twitter. Yeah, my final thoughts are gonna be real simple. Uh, Anthony Mantha, pick your ass up, play your game, I, score some goals, hit some people, get into some corners, do some. Just look like you're trying to defend, and that way everyone online will shut up about you. Um, I know you're not worried about that. Yeah. But it's literally all I see every day on every social media platform is complaints about Anthony Mantha. So just play your game, please. You you did it last season. Just do it again this season. Just please do it for me. But you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We uh, like to give a shout out to Founders, who's the official beer of the Grindline Podcast. Ryan is drinking one currently. Um, I just happen to have an Expedition Stout on the top shelf of my... Uh, of my beer fridge so i was drinking that but good choice uh, yeah we like to give a, a shout out to founders because they do a lot of cool stuff for us uh, we also like to give a shout out to howie's hockey tape if you go to howie's and use the promo code grindline you will receive 10 percent off your order if you use that same promo code on bring hockey back which is where i got this sweet shirt right here uh from bring hockey back you will get 10 percent off your online order um, that was one of the cool things. I'm apparently also going to be sending um, sending them some Pokemon cards. I have a huge Pokemon card collection, uh, and they're requesting Shit's cards. worth money now, man. Yeah, they're going to give me store credit for the cards that I send them. So I've got a bunch of doubles. What? I'm probably okay, going to send awesome. them. I'm probably going to send them about 150 bucks worth of cards that are just doubles that I have, um, and they're going to give me store credit. So that's cool. But if you use the promo code GRINDLINE on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off. Um, uh, if uh, The other thing I like to kind of shout out is our merch shop. If you go to redbubble.com and search the GRINDLINE, uh, you'll see our merch. We got a bunch of cool shirts up there. I got to get back to making more. I want to make a Moritz Cider. I want to do one that's called More Hits Cider. Uh, just him just destroying people. That'd be a good one. Yeah, so I want to do you one to find like, like that. A, an image of him hitting somebody and kind of do the outline of it. It's easy. I can do that real, uh, real quick. But that's what I want to do with that. So if you go there, uh, all proceeds help us keep the lights on. Uh, we might have some cool stuff coming up with partnerships. But that's gonna do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. Tyler's missing, but you stay classy, Hockey Town.